Welcome to Girl Flower Podcast with Vic and Jess. We will be having conversations and inspirational chinwags with florists and growers to keep you company in your workspaces, in the car, over a cuppa or wherever you like to listen. We hope to help you along on your own floral journey. Happy New Year, Vic! Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to all of our podcast listeners. It feels like it's been a lifetime since we um, have been here. So we're back. It does. It also, for me, felt like Christmas went on forever. I liked it going on forever. I was I was more than happy to carry on Christmas all throughout January also, but uh, unfortunately I have to work. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I'm quite happy for the whole, you know, relaxing with the family thing, but it just felt like it was grey and grey and drizzly and grey and drizzly. And I like it to be cold and sunny so I can get outside. So I just felt a bit miserable. So I have eaten my body weight and all that lovely weight I lost last year. I think I've stacked back on in cheese. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I listen, I'm still on the cheese. I'm still <laughs> on the cheese vibe. I'm going to cheese on until the end of January. Continue drinking as well because I'm not on the wagon. That is not one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, but we are here back with a bang. Um, we have in conversation today um, the lovely Millie Proust. And um, alongside of finding out all about her journey into floristry, um, the different facets of her business, we have the most, we have an exclusive and the most exciting announcement of something launching today. So yeah, you're gonna have to listen to it all now and find out what that is. But um, I'm I'm really, really exciting. Me and Vic have both had an, had a little look at what's coming and it really is absolutely beautiful and um I feel like Millie's website is about to go is about to crash it will yeah it's gonna be so big yeah absolutely but we we are we're really um we feel really really honored to have had the sneak peeks and the chat I mean this is our second chat with Millie uh, because Jess chucked a cup of coffee over her laptop I did um and uh the files all the files, all the accounts, all the planting plans, all the emails, all the photographs, all of everything. <laughs> it's gone. But also, I'm not going to take full blame, Vic, because I sent you the file. You just didn't open the file and it expired. So you know what? it's a double whammy of blame. It's a massive double whammy of blame because I'll always download them the minute I get them from you because I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And do you know what I actually did? And I found out because I actually had the file already um, loaded up into GarageBand, like the beginning of it, because I was going to edit it straight away. Uh, so I got all that sorted and then something carried me away. And then I just didn't press that download button. Anyway, this was something meant to be because because we get to, we got to speak to Millie twice, which is a pleasure. I feel like uh, if she lived near us, she would be like one of our best friends. She's 100%. just so lovely. 100%. So we all I'm, need to be a little bit more Millie, I think. I would love that. I know. She's just amazing. Just the way she um the way she speaks and describes things and um and I'm sure there's stress that, that goes on, but the, she's very relaxed and she's a very calming person. 100%. I think I feel like you know the, the bits that aren't on the podcast, like the, the personal chat was so personal. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, it, we definitely edited things out. <laughs> <laughs> but um listen enjoy every minute we are super excited to bring this to you today and uh yeah enjoy let's start from the beginning and find out how you made your journey into flowers so i really wanted to get into flowers when i was uh leaving school um but my my, my college advisor told me not to <laughs> so and I, I didn't know anyone who worked in flowers and it wasn't particularly visible. And I, I went to all my local florist shops, which was, I grew up in um, Wandsworth. And so they weren't, they weren't particularly inspiring florist shops at that time, but I walked in there with my CV and obviously that didn't get me very far. So it sort of felt like a lost cause. And so I didn't pursue it, um, but I always continued to think about it. And um, I ended up going to RADA and I um, did my acting degree and then, left there and always enjoyed creating like a sense of atmosphere and creating sets and um then when I moved I, I always used to go to the flower market all the way through Rada. it was like my thing 
um, on the weekends to uh, keep me calm and keep me um, creative in a different way that wasn't to do with what I was studying. And then when I left, I lived in East London near the flower market in Columbia Road and just went every week and taught myself a lot of really bad floristry from YouTube videos. Um, and then I ended up working at Grace and Thorn for a bit. It was really difficult to get any kind of um, uh, work experience. Um, but also I just finished my degree, so I didn't have any sort of excess funds to put towards any more learning. So um, I was sort of really ad hoc learning. Um, and then when I finally moved to Sussex um, five years ago, I started growing my own flowers, um, which I'd always been interested in from my grandmother, um, but had never had the chance to do that in London. Um, I used to grow in pots and carry my pots around everywhere from like my 15 plus flat moves. <laughs> but I was never any good at growing in pots because I'm not consistent enough. So finally got to Sussex and um, was growing stuff, which gave me such opportunity to um, learn how to use British grown material, um, which was super way more inspiring to me than than I could ever have even imagined. And that opened up, um, that's when I started my Instagram and that opened up conversations with florists that I really admired. I just followed everyone that I thought was amazing. And um, Graham from Bloom and Burn sent me a message once. And I, this was, I was still playing with flowers, like not taking it at all seriously. This wasn't a career. I wasn't even thinking about turning it into a career. And he said, oh, you've got a real way with flowers. And I admired him so much. I was like completely, gobsmacked and kind of a little bit starstruck and so I invited him down <laughs> and was like come and use these flowers and teach me something please and um lucky for me he accepted and we had a day together and he taught me lots of amazing things um which I still use today and I carried I sort of carried on doing that and it's slightly cheeky a sort of like skill swap it florists that were interested in what I'd learned from growing um mm. I just show them what how I did things and then they'd show me how to use a pin frog or something like that um, and then by the end of that first year I was in Sussex it moved quite quickly I did my first a friend's wedding but really simple lots of just I I live I've got a, a bit a tiny bit of um, woodland on, on the property um, so I just used a lot of beach a lot of uh, ferns and greenery and that was real a real I really loved it I mean I, I had always done plays and helped with building sets on site, going from like Edinburgh Festival and places like that. So I, I knew what I was doing in that regards. And um, I'd learned a little bit from Grace and Thorne and from these amazing florists who'd come down and, and fell in love. So the following year I did some more friends weddings and some sisters of friends weddings. And then the year after that, I did strangers weddings and just carried on building up my portfolio and my skill set. And um, yeah, that is where how I got into it. So it was the growing of flowers that, although you loved flowers before, it was definitely the growing of them that kind of then led you into the floristry side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I never thought that I would, I could, because I had other jobs and I continued to do my office job commuting back to London um, that paid the bills. I never thought that I'd be good enough or have the time to become um, a florist, but growing, I was so in love with it that, and I knew that I could do that on the weekends and the evenings. Um, that I thought that would be the sort of, uh, uh, I remember standing at 7am on a Monday morning, already late for the commuter train, and thinking, I was weeding in the garden, thinking, I just want to stay here. How did people get to be working on the land? And so from that moment, I think that was the first summer that I was there. From that moment, I wanted to work towards being able to be sustained off the land. And I had no idea how that was going to work. But um as soon as the sort of floristry side sort of came round into it and it came full sort of, it started looking like a much more fuller picture that I could potentially turn that into um, something that I could make money from and earn a living from really. And, but it took me a long while to get to the point where I could do that full time. It took um, three years and just slowly but surely um, doing less and less um, freelancing and relying on that less and then Actually, it was COVID that made me jump in full time. <laughs> it's a kind of sink or swim method, isn't it? With COVID, yeah. a lot of people they either, you know, went in full full guns blazing or retreated. Um, yeah. And I reckon it could have gone either way with me. Mm. I, I'd spent so 
much energy and I loved it so much energy building it up that I really didn't want it to to perish because of the pandemic but I had all these weddings booked in and all these flowers planted in the ground and all the investment of of autumn put in the ground and I needed to get that money back in order to carry on so it was it was either really sink or swim and it was I had two weeks to make that decision right at the beginning of the pandemic and my grandmother was staying with us at the very beginning of the pandemic and she was always very stoical and optimistic and she just um I was definitely crying about it in the kitchen <laughs> she just grabbed me and was like just get your flowers out there people will want them you haven't really offered them in any other way apart from weddings to specific clients why don't you give it a go so I did and I'm so glad I did um because that changed the the direction of my small business completely and it is, it's amazing being having a small business how sort of um flexible you can be with the tide I think if I was any bigger or had like team members relying on me it would have been so much more difficult and so much more stressful so I'm glad that I was still small enough to be nimble um, and now even now I think it would be a different um if the pandemic started now it would be a very different thing um how I approached the pivot but yeah it was lucky that it was small enough that I could really change tact yeah that is a, a very good thing about small businesses and so many people have found because you can just change it without having to speak to your business partner your investors your this your that the you know you can literally just go oh actually i'm going to stop that and and start that tomorrow and and being very social media based as most of us florists and growers are you it's literally as simple as putting out a post isn't it and then yeah. starting from there and making some noise about it and then yeah. all of a sudden you're posting all your flowers out <laughs> yeah that, that was it I just posted I did a trial run with all my girlfriends in London <clears throat> and posted and a couple of uh, out of London as well so that I could see how it would be nationwide and um, did all the boxing and I'd learned a lot of the skills of sending flowers in posts from Grace and Thorne so I knew how to pack properly how to keep it really secure and so that the flowers wouldn't get damaged and I had I figured out a water source that was as sustainable as possible so a potato starch bag mm -hmm. And then a, um, a compostable sponge um, wrapped around the stems and it with a bit of water. And that got them there. And even if they were late, so if it's a 24-hour courier, but even if they came the following day because of delays, they were still fine after a good long refresh drink. So as soon as I figured that out, it took me a couple of weeks of getting the right packaging and all that. Um, and a few trial runs um, and then it was good to go so I put it up on the Instagram and it was <laughs> it was unbelievable I didn't think that it, I thought I'd maybe sell a few bunches and just be able to make the money back from all the bulbs and seeds and compost and um, I suddenly realized that I needed a better system because I was just saying yes 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 and suddenly I had like 25 orders to fulfill in one day and I was like oh I've never actually fulfilled <sighs> five bouquets in one day with a courier and I've got to send them out tomorrow so I have no idea how long it's going to take me and I can't get any freelancers in because it's a pandemic so here we go I, I had to suddenly cap it there then I woke up I did all the harvesting that night let them drink all night got up at I think it was like 4 30 in the morning and made all these bouquets wrote out all the cards put all the uh, booked in all the shipping and made all the boxes, got them all in their, their sustainable uh, water source and put them in the boxes. And I got one bouquet mixed up. <laughs> but first one, first, this was like the first time I did this and I never did it again because I double, triple checked every single time after this because a, a bouquet that was to celebrate a, the birth of a baby ended up with someone who was going through a really tough time. <laughs> Oh. and the tough time was going sent to the baby and everyone they were everyone was so sweet about it I think they were the people who ordered the first wave were people who wanted to support my small business and they didn't know them but they were unbelievably sweet about the whole thing and and made good jokes about it and I was absolutely mortified <laughs> but I never did it again so it's so good to have those little um <laughs> learning curves and then I also figured out that I needed to set up a really good system on my website with a cap each day so I could figure out how many I could do each day without burning out by the end of the day 
And yeah, I sold out every single STEM that year. And I, yeah, I was blown away. Amazing. And, and what, what kind of, um, what kind of land do you grow? What size of plot do you have? So it's not very big. It might, I think I make it look a lot bigger mm. by, by crouching in my, in my photos. <laughs> but, um, it's less than an acre. Um, but it's, it's, it's about, I change it each year. But of this last year, it was about uh, just over half an acre that I grow on really productively. And then the rest of that acre is rough grass with lots and lots of spring bulbs in and um, foliage shrubs. So it's, yeah, it's under an acre, but not all of it's intensively farmed. And it's quite a lot of it like established land as well, like established garden or not. No, well, I, there, I we did get the um, place, so it's my my boyfriend's place, um, and he was slightly concerned that I was going to make a business off it, <laughs> just in case we broke up. But he's really supportive of it now. But we, um, he got it off someone who was very a family who were very horticulturally minded, but she did a lot of uh, annuals and dahlias, so there was a, a lot of blank canvas, but that we did inherit a beautiful Cytosporum, but that fell in spring 2020. Um, and there was a, there's a choice here, um, lots of little things that I can use, but mainly it's things I've invested in and put in myself. It's just, I'm, you know, I, I know how much land I've got and I, I think it's, gosh, it's probably about half an acre. And I know, and it's a, was a completely blank canvas and I know how much time that takes up for me and you know with you saying oh yeah I was doing it you know evenings and weekends and things like that and I'm thinking Jesus I li- I'm flogging my guts out <laughs> but you have you have a small family and I was doing it like I I'd moved away from my friendship group away from my family and my my boyfriend travels for work so he was away I was very much left to my own devices and so I had a lot of time, the time that I hadn't your friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. They became really good companions. The, the, the land, I know it sounds slightly um, um, over the top and uh, a bit sentimental, but the land really became a really close friend really quickly. And it was, I, I just, I, I think I have a slight obsessive quality to my personality anyway. So I got really obsessed with it and anytime I could I just it was like a new thing so it was just so novel and so fun I just plowed energy into it for the first couple of years and then by the third halfway through the second year of being there that's when I went freelance so I wasn't commuting every day so I had suddenly more time to give um I gave myself I think one day a week and then two days a week and then built it up slowly um so I and I had just had a lot of energy for it now I've burnt out a bit from the last couple of years of working really really hard um, and the growth of the business has been um, a lot quicker than those years so I'm feeling a lot more tired and I have a lot less energy to give it um, but if you have that energy I think you can do so so much I think back now and I'm like that is absolutely nuts yeah but I think it's it's very similar um your you know your story in terms of you know when you first start something and you find this love and you've had this love for a long time and you're finally being able to do it I think we've all been super super obsessive and literally live eat sleep and breathe flowers in some way or another at that beginning point don't you and and you never tire of it and you've got the energy and you just keep going and going and then you know a few years down the line you're like oh my goodness like how is that even possible when you're setting up a business so just for example with, with the growing and, and just me last year it's all about you know you've got to get your shed and your polytunnel and your paths and your beds and your staking and fencing and, and and lay it all out and then I've put in as I'm sure you have a lot of shrubs and perennials and and all the th- all the jobs that um that you are going to have to do every year like the annuals and you know maintenance but all the jobs that you hopefully only ever have to do once all get done in a really short period of time. And so all that energy that you put into setting this business, whatever businesses it is up from scratch, a lot of those jobs aren't going to be an every year thing. Because I'm looking at the plot now going, God, how did I do it last year? Because, you know, more than a half of it is shrubs and perennials. And I'm thinking, God, 
I'm so glad I don't have to do that again if you know, yeah. for a long time. I know they'll all be always be lifting and dividing, but that won't all happen at the same time. So your energy level is never going to be the same. It's that focused madness when you set mm-hmm. something up, isn't it? When you're focused on the on the goal. Also, once you've done it once and you've, your body is so tired, I think you you think twice about doing it again. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm now looking forward to um, being in the in the polytunnel, sowing seeds and just pricking things out and potting on. And there's not one part of me that wants to tackle the huge manure and compost heap that I'm going to have in a couple of days. Like that's going to just go on the rest of it. I'm thinking, and I just feel I've basically got some help coming next week. <laughs> I think that is a good point. With them. Um... I'm I'm having the exact same thing this year where I'm looking at the I'm usually fine with doing the watching I really enjoy it but this year I think you can probably hear it in my voice I'm just really tired so, <laughs> I delegation it's that one of the hardest things I've had to learn because I'm a massive control freak and I think with a small business as well there's not a huge amount of funds to put, put aside to delegate but one of the best things that I've learned is is where I fall short where I'm not as good as I wish I could be and delegation means I can spend that energy that suddenly becomes so precious elsewhere in much more useful ways and much more inspiring ways to keep myself um, inspired and satisfied to keep me sustained because otherwise it becomes incredibly unsustainable having a small business because it is there's no off switch yeah no I'm the same and I've um I'm taking on more staff you know ad hoc staff this year I'm in the same position. Mondays, you know, uh, putting the studio back, like studio kind of refix and, you know, clean the buckets and put the things away. I I can't do that on a Monday. I just, you know, and then it tails on into the midweek and then all of a sudden I've got a load of flowers coming in for a wedding. But that's changing. And a breakdown team on my weddings because uh, something's got to give at some point, hasn't it? Because if you're working all the weekends when do I get time with my family if I'm breaking down a wedding on a Sunday or whatever? So I just, I think it's really important to, uh, well, when you can is to delegate things out, you know, if you can. Yeah. And even before, like, I think even before you can, you can, it's it. so scary, but those, those two things you just described, the breakdown and the, the reset are the things, and I don't do weddings in the same way that you do. So I can't even imagine what it must feel like. It must feel so hard, but those are the things that suck my energy in such a big way. Mm. And they're not huge, huge tasks on their own, but with everything else, they are the hardest to get through psychologically and energetically. So like being able to know that and just remove that from what you need to do is so vital and you'll be able to I bet you're going to have an amazing year now honestly I just think you know something's got to give um and I'm excited for it I mean I'm a I'm a major control freak so I'll be there going um I know (laughs) but you know that I think that when you're when you're busy and you're tired and you just haven't got the energy for those things you've just got to you've just got to invest you've got to invest in it it will carry into the next week and then the next and yeah you won't be doing as as good a job as you can do by the end of it. Yeah, I was just, you know, when you just said then, Millie, about, you know, almost get the help just before you need it you're right because that's where I am at the moment like I really there there aren't any funds I'm gonna be honest like I've reinvested everything it's like the first year of business really so I wasn't ever expecting there to be funds but it's um there's now not going to be any flowers unless certain jobs are done and if I don't get those certain jobs done and I've got no flowers, then it then it's rubbish. You know, it's not going to work. But if these jobs get done, there's going to be an abundance of flowers and I'll be desperate for somebody to help me. So by getting somebody in now at the at the start, it's kind of like that's my investment. That's my extra bit. And then further down into the year, it will completely pay for itself. And something I've learned, especially after the laptop coffee incident (laughs) i'm going to get a bookkeeper because 
I can't do it. I'm rubbish at doing it myself. And I'm sure I, every year I double check it and I double check it and I'm sure I do it right, but I'm not a bookkeeper. And I'm sure if the Inland Revenue wanted to come and check through all of my books, they'd be, they'd, they'd be leaving here hand on head going. Well, let's hope there isn't an Inland Revenue fan of flowers who now knows that they should be coming checking your books. <laughs> we all do it and we all do it to the best of our ability and we sign it off and we keep our receipts and we do all of that. And then we cross our fingers and we hope and we pay our taxes very easy but it's not at the same time you always want it's to know always, I think that it's easy apart from the stress level yeah. that is why the bookkeeper is great <laughs> I know for a fact like I'm, I'm very good at lots of um, little things but maths is not one of them and quite early on I knew that that was the thing I was going to need help with initially and that has definitely helped in a big way not having to deal so you're not stressed out about your tax return looming then like me (laughs) I do I do my own books and spreadsheets but I have someone who comes in for the last bit for January who looks over and so it's always it's I I still find it stressful because I'm just um overly worried but um, (laughs) as I give it over to him I'm suddenly relieved so good I'm totally doing that anyway back to flowers exactly so can we talk a little bit about how your business is structured and what you offer in your business currently yeah so uh just so oh my goodness I'm tired so I structure my business really in a really light and flexible way still and that's just I've learned that from the pandemic and it suits me and it makes me though that there is an inevitable sort of growth that needs to happen and in order to become more sustainable in energetically um i have liked to keep it fairly flexible and also i'm still trying things on and seeing if they fit um, and i did really love doing the seeds last year and the year before so i'm definitely going to do that again and i'm offering workshops because i started doing them again after the, the when the lockdowns eased and just having the connection over flowers was just really wonderful and very fulfilling and what I also found was that the flowers that light me up the ones which have battered petals or wonky stems I can still use in some designs especially if brides come to me and they're like I love it when it's loose and wild and really natural but I I feel like they deserve the best of the best but I, I think there's beauty in some of the less incredible stems and in workshops we get to really celebrate them which makes me very happy that the wonky, silly stems get celebrated in some way because I'm very good at growing wonky and silly stems. <laughs> Got to play to your strengths. So <laughs> workshops and seeds. Um, really interestingly, I've loved working with flowers on uh, in a growing level, but perishable crop is really, really difficult. And I found that I've still, still working out um, boom and bust moments and that's really to do with the weather so no matter how much I plan it can still a, a crop of tulips can be held closed by the by a very cold spring and then one day they blow all open and it's just really I found that quite challenging so I'm trying to figure out ways where I can uh, have less perishable things to offer so workshops and seeds offer that but I'm, I'm gonna uh, add things to my online shop this year that aren't just bouquets so I'm working with Nwaki this year. Oh, yes, I love Nwaki. Great. Oh, I'm so excited to see what's coming. Are we allowed to, we're not allowed to know yet, are we? You have to do another podcast for that. <laughs> do another podcast. Well, it's just early stages. We, we had a good chat yesterday. Um, but I just want to be able to offer things that I think are really useful, a really small offering of things that I think are really useful, like the best, most useful tools. And just keep adding to that and working with um, local potters and, getting a few things that I find beautiful, but practical um, and offering those things. And um, yeah, less weddings. I love weddings, but I have run out of energy this year. And I know that there's so, last year was such a catch up um, and I'm still such a green wedding florist. And I'm really proud of the ones that I've done, but I know there are so many brilliant wedding florists out there who will be able to pick up whatever slack I, I, cannot take so less weddings this year um maybe a couple of I, I really love the event work I always find that really joyful um and working with brands I'm working with a few brands this year so I'll continue that sort of stuff but the offerings that I'm offering out there 
um, are going to be more of a non-perishable sort of learning mm -hmm. thing. I feel like we can't um, talk to you without talking about your lovely photography on mm -hmm. your grid. You have got an eye for it. And I keep thinking that I want you to teach me how to take nice photographs. Is that ever going to be on the cards? So nice. <laughs> you know what? I, I feel like I don't, I, I'm not qualified to teach photography, but um, there are some really easy tips I have picked up. And I've worked with the photographer, Eva Nemeth, this year. And I reckon that could be a great workshop. Come down to my plot with Eva, because she is a dream to learn from. Oh my God, you've got to make that workshop happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I've, I've learned a lot from, from just doing it. And again, it's that obsessive thing, but the, the, the paid job, the thing that earned my money for 13 years was not acting, not flowers. Most of it we came from um, working at a photographic archive. So I was around photogra photographs since I was 17 and working with them. Um, and I picked up a lot then of just aesthetic things that I like. And, and I think that helped. Um, my partner is a good photographer. He does less now that I, I've got my camera out all the time, but he taught me a lot. Um, like how to use a camera properly, not on manual. Um, on manual, sorry, not on automatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my brain. Um, and that was helpful. And light, just learned a lot about light. I my, The place I live is, it's really small. It's a four-roomed cottage and it's got really tiny windows. Um, and so there's very little light, but actually that can be so useful for lighting flowers because you're, you're, you're really... Um, when you place the flowers in that sort of light source, you're placing them to catch the light and seeing who's being caught and who's receding into the shadows. And I learned a lot about color theory with, with um, warm colors receding and um, cooler colors coming forward and uh, what kind of light changes those things. And it's really, it's, it's been an interesting lesson. So I've learned a lot about arranging in different light sources and it's obviously completely different when you're arranging for a, um, wedding or an event which is you're arranging and then taking it to the place so that was a, a huge learning curve and I've had to like I always had my studio for like a long time in this sort of low light and levels and now my I've got a spot where I have a lot of light so that it can be done in just a really neutral light source and then moved and tweaked on site um, at the weddings and events but I really my favorite thing which is why again I love workshops and I'm hoping I can offer a lot more is that arranging in situ so for your own home or or creating for um a creative sort of purpose like i love the dutch masters the flower paintings and that is with a very similar north squeezed light source um and i really enjoy working with that that really feels a bit more like painting than than flower arranging and um my mum was my art teacher at primary school and i feel like a lot of that sort of stuff stems from there really enjoy creating sort of vignettes and I'm, I think that also comes in with the storytelling aspect of um, going to drama school everything that I create has that sort of like has a narrative behind it and so I always try and keep that and I think that having uh, a sort of very specific aesthetic setting helps continue that uh, like a specific narrative. And the narrative um, follows through on all of your platforms as well. Um, we've spoken about your, you know, your gorgeous photography and your Instagram and the whole of your storytelling, the atmosphere that you create. Um, Graham at Bloom, and, um, at Bloom and Burn had previously mentioned about how he wanted to live in your Instagram <laughs> because you created such, a, he wanted to dive into it. And so that that is a skill that you've developed across all of all of the things that you've ever done through you know the photography archiving your storytelling with your acting and then your love of flowers as well um it's it, i mean it's stunning we all know, so <laughs> i think i i would quite like to live in my instagram too and i think <laughs> partly why i made it you know i used to post like from like the like coffee break in my office in London having sat on like a sweaty commuter train for hours it was like a form of escapism for such a long time and it still is and you know Instagram is not real life and yet there yet there's like moments where 
I get to appreciate the really special moments that I do get to have in my life and then put them in this one place where it looks like my whole life is like that. And I just, it does offer me, even if it's not fully real or particularly like um, honest or authentic, there, it, there is an authenticity because that those moments are, do exist and I get to then celebrate them and savour them. And it does do a good thing for my spirits and my mental health. I think it does health. a good thing for, for lots of spirits <laughs> and I, you know looking at beautiful pictures of being outside and and that that thing of you being on a train and being able to see where you want to be is is lovely so I don't think there's anything not authentic about it it's just, you know you just no one's gonna put you know the their bad bits of life you don't want to look back through and see like oh look this is my sock i put on this morning there's a massive <laughs> brilliant Although there are some people who do share those sort of things yeah, yeah okay well yeah. i would i wouldn't particularly follow those because that is my, my life's my personal yeah. life can be disastrous like that but i want to look at all the lovely things of how i want my life to be and how i want to aspire to be and sitting for me seeing people's flower arrangements and their gardens and the workshops they've been on that is what i love to look at and that's why people love looking at yours because i counter it slightly by i have a newsletter that i send out um and i paused it for a little bit last year but it's coming back again and i put a tiny bit more real life in there so if you do want a more authentic version of what my life is i weave in a lot more uh, personal and intimate narrative and more like ad hoc iphone snaps than than my special camera snaps that instagram i treat instagram a bit like um a storefront, I guess. And so it's just more portfolio and, and the feeling and, and that storytelling atmosphere thing so that if people come and they want flowers for a specific brand thing or an event, they know what they're going to kind of get, what kind of lyricism they're going to get from me. Like it's going to be a different flavour of music than another florist's. So I treat that like that. But that's like a, my storefront. Like if you're passing it on the street, that's what you're going to get. I'm not going to put any of my dirty laundry on my yeah. Instagram. How do people sign up for your newsletter? Is that just straight through your website or is there a link on your Insta to get to your newsletter? Just on my website. Um, and every now and then I, I post on my Instagram to the link to, to, to it just to the, um, encourage people on it. Because it's I, I do love Instagram. It just sometimes feels like we live in this very fleeting digital tech world and um, the email addresses that I have feels like a much more intimate... It feels like writing a letter to people and so I can even if anything changes in the digital landscape, I can still send out a more slightly more analog version of a, <laughs> a digital version of a letter to people who really want to follow along. Uh, I'm sitting here with butterflies in my tum- stomach talking to you because <laughs> I think now we're talking about um, telling stories and things. You know, I think oh, I'm stuttering now because <laughs> let's get to the point. It's so exciting. Come on. Millie has a <laughs> book coming out really really soon tell us all about it i am so excited this is the first time i'm talking about it and so i'm really excited but i'm also so nervous it feels like it's been um something that's been so intimate and quiet and like kind of secret for so long and i'm just so excited to share it but yeah it's coming out in it'll be available in mid april this year that's so you sent me and Vic a lovely little excerpt from the book and I can't, oh. get over, I can't get over how beautiful it is, how beautifully written it is. Um, I just, I've got, I've got lots of notes about it and I just put, uh, gosh, it's like you write it like you're writing a beautiful old fashioned romance novel. <laughs> I feel like I should have a handkerchief or a fan or a parasol and be sat under a tree reading it. Just it's just gorgeous it's a really really beautiful way of writing but you know that's obviously your background you are you are a, a storyteller you and, and it comes out beautifully and um yeah I, ju- I just love the way you've put it together we'll talk more about it in a minute but just tell us about the book okay about the, how, the format of it i think um the book i wanted to write something that would explain really simple in really simple terms how to create with flowers just really for your own pleasure and I do have some really big projects for slightly more ambitious people but um, it goes through the growing season from early winter to late winter um, and I have split all the seasons into early and late so there's eight chapters 
And in each of those chapters, I, I give you um, a lowdown of the stars of the season to grow what I consider the stars. Um, so three flowers that I'll, I talk about how to grow very specific instructions, really simple instructions, and uh, how to harvest them, tricks to keep them from wilting, and then how to work with them with some design ideas. And then each of those chapters have a seasonal bouquet um, in a slightly different style, whether it's a market bouquet or a bridal bouquet. And all of the, all of the designs that have very much my kind of aesthetic, but I encourage you to find your own style too. But they're all slightly loose and uh, echoing what's available at that time in your landscape. Um, and then there's a big, big um, show-stopping project each for each chapter, like an uh, arch, all using um, no floral foam, sustain as sustainable mechanics as possible. So a floral arch, a floral cloud, uh, a huge Dutch master's urn. Um, all sorts of things. And there's also uh, an essay in each chapter because I love to tell stories so much and they're very intimate. So they're really personal. Um, lots, lots of like nature writing, me noticing the landscape and what I've learned, what the garden has taught me, all the sort of failures, what they've taught me um, in the last few years. And then right at the beginning, there's this huge section of how to do everything from scratch. So how to create a bed, how to think about designing a garden, um, like thoughtful stuff about how to design with flowers and color and texture and contrast and shapes and all that sort of stuff and how to place a pin frog in a bowl and how to keep your flowers looking fresh for as long as possible. Lots of little tips like that. So it's, it's basically a download of every single thing I've learned over the last few years and it was a joy to write um, and I hope that it's useful and fun and lovely to read. I can't believe people well, are going to be well, reading it. I know that everyone's going to absolutely love it by the previews that we've seen is unbelievably beautiful from um, your essays um, to the things you create to um, Eva, Eva's beautiful photography um, it is absolutely spot on. But again, it's it's what you're doing is you're taking everyone on a journey again with this book. Um, it's about helping them immerse themselves in, you know, learning how to nurture the land, how to um, create sustainably and how to kind of be at one with nature by reading your essays and, and letting you take them there. Um, so we, I mean, we can't, we're so excited about actually being able to buy a copy. Um, You've also put a bit in there about history, haven't you? So there's like the bit I was reading about the history of the Dutch masters. And, and I love that. Like, it's it just made I was reading it thinking, why have I never kind of why do I never question history? Why do I never want to delve deeper into things? I'm like, oh, yeah, Dutch masters. There we go. And and I, and I just love that. So you're, you're making me learn as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's just because I think my brain is like, um, very webby and it just it's so tangential and I if I have a conversation with someone I often go off on a tangent and I think that that's what writing the book was a bit like for me just like little interesting things that's slightly um frenetic but I hope it's I hope it's useful I'm really interested in in sort of why we do things and why sort of traditions happen and why the Dutch masters look like a certain way and that's helpful to understand that I find that's helpful to be able to sort of then do like a homage too. So the way that they play, where they place flowers and where they place them and the importance of that and to do with life and death. And it all just feels so relevant that and important to know to be able to then create with those things in mind. So yeah, I I I wove a lot of stuff into the book. Because we're not when we were me and Jeff were doing our degrees, we used to do a lot of contextual studies. And I must say I used to miss and really badly, I used to miss quite a few lectures. Um, because I was, I thought to myself, well, what does this have to do with, you know, what I'm doing? But you're so, you're so right. In order to move through your own path of uh, creativeness and design, you kind of have to understand what went before and why it went before. My dad was always a big believer that of the, the connectedness of everything. And I think that's been helpful for, for me coming to terms with like having many different little careers so far as well, because growing up, I got told that, you know, you've got to pick one thing and stick at it but I was always sort of like jack of all trades master of none and I beat myself up so much about it for so long and now I can see that there's like a strength in in the sort of 
there's a uniqueness which everyone has in them of like creativity that you start creating and you're sort of echoing other people's because that's how you sort of learn and then you find your own voice and there's a strength in that because it really becomes yours and you get to really own it and people recognize your work for your work and having all of those tiny little rivers of of um information and things that have informed you and inspired you allowing them to come in is the way that it becomes very much yours and not not anyone else's absolutely oh I, you know jack of all trades master of none is definitely the way to be i know <laughs> i know I, I won't mention names but he'll know who i'm talking about my husband oh. <laughs> <laughs> he um he's always been a, a cabinet maker he's done it from school he makes beautiful beautiful furniture he has his own business he does it so so well but now at a point in his life that he's going, oh, do I want to carry on doing this until I retire or do I want to go and do something else? But his career has been down that one path, nothing else coming in from the from anywhere else. So trying to make a decision about what to do is basically like when you finish school and try to make a decision what to do, you don't know at all. Whereas I think when you've had loads of different bits coming and you've just one of those, and I think it comes from having like a, an arty crafty brain, doesn't it? You, you, you draw inspiration from so many places and you've got interests all over the place. And so kind of making a career decision, even if it's completely off the wall to what you were doing before, doesn't seem that scary. It's just like, Oh, this is just the next thing. Totally. And it took a long, a long time for me to be okay with that because when, when I was faced with that question at 18 and decided not to follow floristry because it felt like you had to pick something and if it wasn't right, it, you had made the worst mistake of your life because you had to stick at the thing that you chose. And uh, yeah, obviously life isn't like that <laughs> at all. I mean, we are free to change and move. And I feel really lucky to have a, a built a business that still allows me that. And that makes me also want to not ever have a really big business something that I can't steer myself um yeah I want to I keep my ambitions and my business fairly small because I love I love that maneuverability yeah, and you, you, you say know. sort of keeping it small but you've done on your small <laughs> business you've done so much in so little time yeah. yeah um what do you attribute that to um high energy levels honestly <laughs> um but also um I think just there is an element of continuing to stick at something. Even if if I say like, you don't have to, you can move and change, but there is movement and change within that. But I remember starting this thing, this journey and documenting it really helped and documenting it, not just for myself, but even though that is really helpful, documenting it slightly publicly meant that I was more likely to show up to it. And especially if you don't have, I, I have quite good, work ethic and discipline so I'm quite good at showing up but it definitely increases if I'm showing up not just for myself if I'm showing up for other people a competitive element definitely starts coming in and also like not wanting to let people down that kind of people pleasing thing comes in so having it slightly visible meant I kept showing up even if it wasn't great to begin with I can now look back and see my growth and that is so heartening and keeps me going on tough days and showing up fairly consistently meant that people sort of knew had a consistent like reminder of of what I could do and what I was and anything that I put up on my um, Instagram or on my website was things that I wanted to do in the future so I started doing the Dutch master inspired um, designs uh, like four years ago and put them up showed what I was um, creating and loving what I was creating. And that that finally, like four years later, led to Christie's coming um, and work, wanting to work with me on a Dutch master design for their catalogue cover, which for me was like my dream job. And, and when I made those designs, that would have been my dream job, like the top of like what I could have wanted from creating those designs. So anything that I put out, you know, it's, anything that I'm creating it's with sort of like these sort of future dream jobs in mind and then they you know if you consistently do it and you're putting you're creating a portfolio creating work the work does come back that people it's the way that the people are finding people to work with and creatives to work with is is on this digital online sort of marketplace so in order to show what you can do you just have to keep showing your work and you put it so beautifully as well 
so eloquently. I mean, we've we've spoken a lot about um, you know, you have to put out there what you you know what you want what you know there's no point putting out a load of rubbish on your Instagram you know because you'll just get rubbish back or you know if, if you're putting out um jip bouquets and you don't want to do any more jip bouquets then don't be putting them up there you know it's as simple as that um but I mean your work I mean your work speaks for itself like I said you the atmosphere you create is is unbelievable um so I'm totally not surprised that you've done so much um what other brands have you worked for um, so I've worked with Liberty this year and I'm hoping to do some more stuff last year. <laughs> last year's January now. Um, I'm hoping to do some more stuff with them because that was sort of always a dream. That was always on my, I do a vision board every year. Like Liberty have always been on that. So was- talk, talk us a little bit about vision boarding and things like that, because there are, there are lots of creatives who do this. I've never got to kind of grips with it, but can you tell Neither us? Neither have I. I've never done it, but it's something that I'm really thinking about because I was reading something or listening to something about vision boards and manifesting mm. your future. And I have this end it won't be the end end, but I have this kind of vision in mind and I don't know whether doing a vision board would help me get there. So. Well, it might not, but there's something very reassuring about having a vision board. So they might not make your dreams come true, but when you make it, and I I recommend making it in a meditative state with not thinking too hard about your dreams and goals that you have, but having them sort of on the periphery of your mind when, when you go through images and I just get them from magazines or catalogs and, um, I save up during the year and get them from my boyfriend's mum as well, and then have them around me and flick through and anything that catches my eye, uh, I'll cut out, be it a word or an image, and I won't think too hard about it. And then I'll have lots of um, cut out images and I get my piece of cardboard sort of taped together. And then I start placing and don't think too much about it. And uh, then I put it in my sock drawer which is quite high up in my cupboard so every day when I open my cupboard it's there and I take it in in whatever form the first sort of few weeks I'm taking it in quite a lot but um it always makes me happy because it's images that I picked out because I like them and words and it's very reassuring and very very reaffirming and there's moments in the year always every year throws shit that you can you can't really uh, foresee and some really difficult challenging things life can be really mean sometimes so <laughs> having something that is so sweet and personal um, can keep you going and focus you and anchor you and I swear every year I've done this each and every single item on my vision board has come true in some way and sometimes it won't sort of be that obvious until like randomly right at the end of the year you're like oh my goodness that image did come true that happened that that really happened or I had this bridge on my um, image board this last year and we, I got to November and I was like, I just don't understand why that was there. And then I suddenly had this amazing day with my partner, really special day. And there was that bridge, like almost identical. Oh and I was like, that is absolutely bananas. They are an incredible thing. It's also just nice to then look back and see um, what, each year's focus was about and in the last couple of years my vision boards have very been very home focused and that was even before I sort of knew that they would be very home focused um and I'm yet to do mine this year and this is I, a little bit late for me to be doing it but I think there is still time if you're interested in doing it January is a great time because there's a tiny bit more time and space before the year begins and it's fun it's fun to do it and they do weirdly come true and I think it's because you look at it every day and it it sort of reinforces where your where your goals are yeah oh, I'm definitely gonna have a go I, am. <laughs> I mean it's only it's only I mean in in podcast world it's the 10th of uh January but in real life it's the 7th so we're yeah. only seven days in I think um yeah I think we're definitely gonna Thank give you. it a go and then we'll oh, meet up this time go. next year yeah. and all compare vision boards love it <laughs> I can go to the shops and buy all the magazines I like and then this, after, then this evening sit there with my Pritt stick. Yeah. A pair of scissors and a board and all the magazines. That's it's the really book. fun. If, I, I feel like quite a lot of people in the flower world are quite collage focused anyway because of like <laughs> the mood boards that we have to constantly create. So it's like that, but this is not for a client. This is for you. And it's so nice. I love that. Definitely doing that. I'm going to have better put nice cars, holidays. <laughs> do it do it <laughs> mine's all gonna 
to be about chickens and trees and flowers. Oh, Jess needs new chickens or she wants more animals. What animals are you going to get this year, Jess? Oh, I've just been finding out a lot that alpacas um, oh, don't need, you don't need to compost their you poo. You can put alpaca poo straight onto your plot and it's really good. And I've also been looking at the amount of compost I make. And I keep thinking, God, if I had some pigs or alpacas or something, I'm sure there's a lot that they would eat and they'd turn it into good, good poo. So I don't have the space or the ability to have animals on the plot I'm on at the moment. So I'm on the hunt. Give me an alpaca in the garden. I hope, I hope Adam's not listening to this. <laughs> He knows, he knows. And, and he he's always said that um, he would never be happy about it, but it would never surprise him if he like came home and I'd brought like a Highland cow or something. <laughs> he just knows that, that sometimes in the future, something like that is going to happen in our lives and he's quite happy with it. I think animals do make sense in the cycle of growing. I think they're really important, vital part of it. And I, 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 I'm looking to get some animals too, but... Um, Petalon down in Cornwall they've recently taken on a bigger patch of land and are doing the whole um, green manure over the winter and then letting the animals come on and dig it all up and eat it and before they plant they've looked into doing that in a, in a big way I'm definitely not there yet but a couple of alpacas I love what they do I love Petalon I I feel like they they're making so many brilliant moves I know got the right ideas of of being able to balance that kind of sustainable in terms of financial sales and keep the business going, but also sustainable, thinking of sustainable ways to, ways to move forward. I think they're great. Yeah. I definitely feel like I would love to go down with my husband and meet them because I feel like if he could buy into being more James, I'd be totally happy because <laughs> I need him. I need him to buy into this lifestyle to make it happen. Right. Maybe I'll, put, maybe I'll put James on my vision board. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to um, say that when you're talking about your design aesthetics in, in the book, I loved that you have like little headings that are lights, contrast, balance, scale, rhythm and harmony. I just loved that rather than being kind of like you need three red roses and it's got, you know, very old school floristry you are you are definitely kind of talking about the feeling that and and oh, yeah, yeah and that, actually that that's my, my mum being my primary school art teacher that is the sort of stuff that she rammed down my throat on a weekend going to like traipsing around art galleries but really helpful and um it, they are actually just those are all headings that are used generally in design um and art principles so it's just me applying them to floristry but I, I I think they are really useful and it's if you do want to create create in a more sort of uh, loose way having but still a design working having those things in your head and having like a sort of sense of rhythm or um, sense of movement is going to create um, the feeling that you want from your design and I think the designs I love the most give those feelings that the sort of like the scroll stopping designs have that sort of like movement that that make you feel like you're suddenly caught up in a waltz or some kind of like delicious sexy tango so yeah I, I love thinking about the design principles oh my goodness honestly the way you speak and the way you write makes me really happy I'm I'm so desperate to get a copy of your book so where can we pre-order it from when can we pre-order it this is so exciting I can't believe I'm talking about this I can't believe I get to talk about this okay so the title is from seed to bloom and so it's all about growing from seed to bloom um but also about growing as a human and growing a garden so it's all about growing from small to big and um, it is available in all good bookstores <laughs> to pre-order. The best thing to do is go to the link in my bio, which will be up now. And that is a smart link, which will take you to your nearest bookshop. Or if you don't have a bookshop close by that um, stocks it, you can order from me direct from my website. Um, I'm only shipping to the UK when it comes out. Um, but also if worse comes to worse, you can order from Amazon and my publishers want me to push Amazon. Even though I think Jeff Bezos is doing absolutely fine without us, but it turns out we need we need him too. She wants me to push um, the Amazon because that would that apparently really helps um, with getting the book out there. So 
wherever you want to get it from. Um, if and you get it from me, if you get it from me, I, I'm throwing in uh, signed copies and uh, packets and a packet of seeds. Yeah, <laughs> love that. So you get one from you, a hundred percent. And I'll wrap it really nicely. I bet as well. It was a book from seed to bloom is available now to pre-order um, through Millie's website, but also through um, your favorite bookseller. Uh, you know, you can get that and it's not going to be available to be shipped until the 14th of April, but get your order in now and you're not going to be disappointed. It's going to, it's, it's insane, insanely beautiful. And just, I just can't wait to have it in my hands. Oh, I honestly, it's everything you would imagine her to have produced and like you know she must have well you know how many hours she's she's put into it but it's absolutely beautiful i shall be ordering my signed copy with a packet of seeds <laughs> right now i'm straight you all to it there's a copy on its way to me as soon as it's published so uh -huh. yeah really happy so um, Millie's website is Millie Proust, that's M-I-L-L-I-P-R-O-U-S-T dot com. And go and fangirl her at Instagram at Millie Proust. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Girlflower Podcast. Please share where you can, subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts to help us to reach out and connect with other florists, growers and enthusiasts.